Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Good morning. It is Sunday, March 12, 2023. I'm Blois Olson. This is Sunday Take. Well, what a week. The grind of the first deadline at the legislature, a flow and pace of ongoing news conferences from both sides, Republicans on public safety, Democrats on executive orders about transgender rights. It is a mosaic of conversations at the legislature and those in the bubble, maybe even me included, are trying to find the puzzle pieces of how it all comes together in the end. After all, the Republicans put up votes for a DFL bonding bill early in the week in the House. And in the Senate, the Republicans said, we won't vote for a bonding bill until we have tax reform. This is a puzzle. And like any good puzzle, you start to try to get the border done, the frame, and then you start to fill in the things you need. But there are still a lot of missing pieces in this session, and some of the big ones are related to healthcare. Minnesota, a healthcare leadership state, deserves a discussion and a dialogue about what works, where there's tweaks needed, and why headlines in press releases are not a way to deal with healthcare. That'll be the focus this week on Sunday Take. We have Lucas Nessie from the Minnesota Council of Health Plans. They represent the nonprofit health plans in the state, such as Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Medica, Health Partners, and uh, our client, my client, UCARE. Full disclosure, yes, UCARE is a client of mine. So we'll talk about health plans and where they want to make sure Minnesota's system and healthcare economy stays stable. And then we'll talk to the Minnesota Hospital Association about the strain and stress, not just on hospitals in the Twin Cities, but hospitals across the state and what they need from the legislature. We'll go deep on healthcare this week on Sunday Take, after these important messages. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. First guest this week on Sunday Take is Lucas Ness. He is President and CEO of Minnesota Council of Health Plans. And healthcare, as I mentioned in the open, is one of the issues that's just getting a lot of buzz and a lot of uh, discussion at the legislature. But one of the dynamics is that with one third of the legislature being new, there's a knowledge ramp up for many of these legislators. And I thought it'd be good to spend this week kind of talking about the basics. Lucas, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Blaise. And uh, yeah, the, the challenge around the legislature is that you have to go back 20 years to try to find the turnover like this. And uh, as, as part of healthcare being complex, uh, it's, it's nice, nice to see so many of them interested in this topic. I think we have reasons to be positive in the sense of the energy we've seen around this topic and the conversations that we've had uh, throughout all, all of the different meetings we've had over the last few months with legislators. When you meet a new legislator who might not know about health care, but obviously their constituents talk to them about it, what are some of the basics that you want to make sure that people understand about Minnesota's health care system and about Minnesota's health plans? Sure. Well, well, to back up, one of the first things we do at the legislature is we provide what is called a, the Healthcare 101 series, or at least that's what we call it for folks. We're able to present that at health committees and commerce committees for those that have the jurisdiction uh, within that arena. One of the most important things for people to understand is the, you know, Minnesota's lucky to have a lot of large, large employers, very large employers that are actually self-insured. So they're regulated by the federal government, whereas the fully insured market, uh, people that buy insurance on their own or get their coverage through a relatively small employer, uh, those are the jurisdictions that are governed and uh, the jurisdiction of the Minnesota legislature. That's roughly 20%. So when somebody's coming to a legislator and says, I'm having a challenge with coverage regarding uh, this, uh, you know, what have you, the first question is, you know, how are you getting your coverage? If you're getting it through one of these large self-insured companies, the answer to that question is go talk to your HR department, go talk to your employer, uh, because that is not something that is administered by uh, your health plan. The fully insured market itself as structured and, and regulated by the state has 65 mandates, but the self-insured market is completely different. So that is one of the hardest things to get, uh, especially new legislators to understand uh, when they're trying to address some of the challenges they see from their constituents. Obviously there's two major issues that get talked a lot about in healthcare and they are cost and access. When, when you look at Minnesota's cost system, system, when you look at your members or the HMOs here in Minnesota, what do you hear from your executives? What do they want to make sure that both the public knows and the legislature knows about how the system works and how healthcare insurance or an HMO, you know, thinks through risk uh, and access and cost and all these variables that go into uh, insuring people? Sure. Well, Everyone knows healthcare is is expensive, and what it has to do is that that is because 
the underlying cost of care is expensive. So health insurers, by their very nature, take a broad population and try to negotiate access at a more affordable cost. And that is kind of the traditional negotiation and exchange to say, if you accept this lower payment, we'll be able to direct this uh, number of population uh, to your to that provider. And as part of that, we also work with them to promote quality and make sure that broad access is there. So we want to govern the overall wellness, uh, not just that uh, that appointment in and of itself. So, Blois, you just mentioned the HMO service. Minnesota is, is home and, and one of the first in the country to do what's called managed care. And I think we can acknowledge that term in itself has kind of become a pejorative over the last several decades. But at the yep. same time, there's plenty of studies that show that that is promoting high quality care and promoting wellness overall. Other states that are actually trying to follow our lead. And when you look at the data, you can really see that it's supporting health overall. When we think about ideas to either help with costs, help with access, what are some of the priorities of the council this year? And how, how can people understand what they would mean for their health care in Minnesota? Sure. One of the one of the policies that I think the Council of Health Plan, Health Plans is probably best known for is a, the reinsurance program. Uh, that was actually something that was original to the Affordable Care Act as part of a transition into that that new marketplace. Uh, when that went away at the federal as a federal policy, the state inserted itself to continue that, uh, given the uncertainty and instability within that market. And what that does is pays for a portion of that high cost care so that enrollees do not. Uh, it's an audited program where the invoices are literally submitted and uh, health plans are reimbursed for those costs so they, so they do not pass on those costs to enrollees in the form of higher premiums or cost sharing. So that's one example. Uh, there's a number of different challenges that we are weighing as far as trying to make sure affordability overall is considered. And actually a lot of the policies right now are, are threatening that the ability for us to adjust and balance things in the sense of making sure that premiums versus out-of-pocket are appropriately balanced. Our goal always is to make sure that people are accessing care and not foregoing care. You hear a lot of people talking about out-of-cost levels. We think it needs to be looked at as a more holistic approach to say, are people foregoing care? And in the end of the day, you're able to see that Minnesota offers some of the lowest premiums in the country and maintaining some of the highest rates of coverage right now. And people are not foregoing care at a level uh, that is uh, above the national average. We're wanting to make sure that people are getting that that care that, the, that we uh, support. My guest is Lucas Ness. He's with the Minnesota Council of Health Plans. We're talking about the dynamics of healthcare and the discussions and debates at the legislature this year. When you talk about low cost, high levels of coverage in Minnesota, one of the you know topics that gets a lot of headlines is you know pharmaceuticals or you know kind of the therapies related to um, rare diseases, things like that. Um, how much of that becomes either a distraction or a discussion at the legislature when? It applies to very few, or where does the council come in when it, it's time to kind of understand covering as much of the state as possible in a cost-effective manner? What, what are the dynamics that you think of and your members think of in those terms? Well, first and foremost, we want to make sure people get access to needed care. 
So that said, uh, the prices of pharmaceuticals have skyrocketed over the last several years. That's that's no secret. One of the things that the council and we were uh, joined by a number of different organizations and patient advocacy groups over the last several years was to support some pharmaceutical price transparency to perhaps shine more of a light on how all of this operates and how all of it's supported. So what that does is that when prices rise above a certain level, it requires some some reporting. And that's kind of the first step in making sure that policymakers have the information they need to provide proper scrutiny onto some of this. Uh, For example, uh, when health plans set their formulary, uh, that is kind of a date certain process. And what we saw over the years was that as soon as that formulary is set, the very next day, that's when price increases are are implemented. So it's a challenge. It's a push-pull. We we want to make sure people have access to those needed care, uh, those needed pharmaceuticals, but we also want to make sure it's done at the most affordable cost uh, that can be found. As we start to wrap up here, um, I imagine that you read the newspaper and hear about nursing shortages, um, staffing shortages, things like that. And your members, some of them, you know, that's going to play into some future projections and some planning. Are there big things that providers, plans need to work together on to ensure that Minnesota stays a leading state in healthcare? Absolutely. And I, and I'll, and I'll give you one example after, after I say that I, I think people can be very positive in the, in the fact that providers and plans in Minnesota have a great relationship. Uh, you see very constructive, solution-oriented conversations going on. I talk to the leaders of those organizations on a very regular basis. Uh, one of the biggest challenges facing us uh, in the next several months over the next year is a process called redetermination of public programs. We have 1.5 million people on state public programs that will be going through the eligibility uh, redetermination uh, over the next year. That's going to be tens of thousands of people every single month that have their uh, state program eligibility redetermined. And they're, while the majority will be eligible, a number of them won't, or they'll be eligible for other programs. So working closely with the state and with providers to make sure that they get the support they need to re-enroll or enroll in the appropriate program so they can stay covered and have that access to those providers throughout the system. Lucas Ness, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thanks, boys. When we come back, we're going to talk about providers and where they fit in, what staffing means to them, and what their priorities are during this legislative session. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Our final interview on this week's Sunday Take is with Joe Schindler. He's the Vice President of Finance, Policy, and Analytics at the Minnesota Hospital Association. And obviously, we've heard a lot in the news and the discussion about staffing and hospitals and obviously the strain of the last few years. But today I want to talk to Joe about Minnesota is known for a good healthcare system, a, uh, an excellent healthcare system. And as we look ahead and we have these conversations about policy and politics, what is it we need to do to maintain and strengthen and look to the future of healthcare hospitals, uh, clinics in Minnesota? Joe, thanks for joining me. Great, and good morning, boys. Um, Joe, talk about, you've been at the Hospital Association a long time. Talk about a little bit about kind of the evolution of providers and hospitals in Minnesota and how we stand nationally and how we've done 
overall, even though I know there's been a lot of strain and a lot of uh, struggles these past few years? Yeah, well, uh, thank you. And oftentimes, uh, Minnesota has been at the top or the near, near the top of the quality and safety uh, metrics that are, are performed across the board. Uh, in, in, and so we've always done well from a quality perspective. In addition to that, we've always had uh, relatively low cost uh, relative, uh, you know, per patient relative to other states. So we've been a low cost and high quality provider. And so we have staked our reputation on that. Not to say there isn't room for improvement, but uh, that's where we've been historically. And we'd like to keep it that way. There's this past week, a big discussion about staffing at the Capitol. Um, and I say when we talk about labor that we've known that we were going to have some labor challenges for years and that they're here now. Maybe they got sped up. I looked at some data that, you know, Deed had compiled about where our jobs are. Talk about the need for healthcare workers in the future and how we need to get them to Minnesota or train them in Minnesota and put them and put them forward into the workforce. Yeah, well, that's a that's a really good point because uh, workforce has been one of our largest challenges uh, in front of us the last couple of years. Uh, we have had uh, we've seen a number of people retire um, from uh, the healthcare field just because uh, we've been through the pandemic. It's been a heavy workload and it continues on. And uh, by our the numbers that we collect on an annual basis. Uh, on any given uh, a year, there's about a 6% uh, openings of job openings. And in 2022, there's uh, 20% job openings. So we have a lot of need for uh, both, and, and it's across the board. It's not only, it's clinicians, it's uh, RNs, it's LPNs, it's uh, certified nurse assistants, but it's also entry-level positions and dietary positions and environmental services positions. And when you look at what it's going to take, I know you have some proposals about training. What have we learned about the future workforce? Where can we train them? How can we get them kind of trained and ready to go sooner rather than later? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, We actually developed a workforce roadmap of best practices uh, that we are deploying right now across the state of Minnesota because um, this workforce challenge is not only a challenge in the Twin Cities metro, it's a, it's a challenge across the state and maybe even more acutely in, in rural Minnesota. And so in our roadmap, we do have a lot of uh, uh, best practices that uh, talk about uh, attracting more people into healthcare, especially in the high school levels. And um, we think that, again, there are jobs that are not only clinical in nature, but, you know, business or IT, anything like that, there's, there's plenty of jobs. Now, the one good thing about hospitals and health systems uh, that they've been successful in, and I think we're going to have to step up even more going forward, is uh, training programs, even internally, to fund people to go back to school. If you're an RN or an LPN, you can get a, a free schooling to go back and, and become an RN or a, or for a medical assistant to become a nurse. So uh, there are plenty of opportunities that hospitals afford our workers to try and sort of what you'd call grow your own. Um, but we're also trying to advocate at the legislature for funding to get more people into the pipeline uh, in those uh, medical careers, whether it be RNs or LPNs or uh, radiology uh, technologists, uh, uh, surgical techs, 
lab techs. Um, so there's we have uh, shortages across the board and plenty of opportunities for employment. You mentioned Greater Minnesota, and oftentimes, um, unfortunately, we think so much of the Twin Cities first and not Greater Minnesota, but hospitals, clinics in Greater Minnesota are oftentimes major employers, they're economic drivers, they, they are quality of life piece. Are there unique challenges in greater Minnesota? Because, you know, there's also this movement of, hey, look, I could raise a family in greater Minnesota. It might be a different opportunity for me. Now, where, where are, the, are the distinct differences of needs in greater Minnesota? Yeah, I think I think um, one of the needs is that uh, to to have jobs for a, a couple. You know, if if it's uh, a couple working, uh, you want to have jobs for both uh, parties, and so we've been able to attract physicians. But oftentimes, the challenge is how do we uh, find a job for the spouse? And, and certainly, there are ways that uh, hopefully uh, we can accommodate with that, that within the health system um, as well. But we've got. Um, uh, you know, I think the other piece here is that there are a number of uh, uh, schools in rural Minnesota that our hospitals and health systems work with to try and build that pipeline. So if you are growing up in rural Minnesota and you want to stay in your hometown, which would be a natural thing to do, um, that's where we try to, as much as we can, tap into the resources, the schooling system, whether it be uh, post-secondary schools or whatever, to try and um, get more people into those programs. And that's why we'd like to see greater funding for, especially for uh, rural Minnesota uh, school systems to be able to support those uh, particular uh, uh, tracks such as surg- surgical techs, lab techs, um, and other, you know, other supportive personnel within the healthcare system. My guest is Joe Schindler. He's the Vice President of Finance Policy and Analytics at the Minnesota Hospital Association. We're talking about providers and in this deep healthcare discussion that they're having at the legislature and that Minnesotans are feeling across the state. What do we need to pivot towards the future? Joe, one of the things you mentioned early was how Minnesota has ranked very well in patient safety and things like that. Um, obviously, I mean, it, it, it's logical that some of the proposals that are out there would minimize the amount of staffing needed at a time when staffing is tough. Do do the professionals in the hospitals, the ones you talk to and work with on a daily basis, are they feeling that there are safety issues out there or do they feel like, you know, they've managed some of these shortages the best they can to look forward and, and get through these tough times so that they can grow again? Yeah, I think uh, we obviously we've we've seen a lot of uh, uh, patient care that continues to go on, and in our in our caregivers are are a little bit worn down. Um, I mean, it, it's true that uh, with the workforce a bit de- depleted, we've we've had to do more uh, extra shifts and double shifts, and hospitals have done what they can to, uh, you know, retain those employees as best they can with uh, incentives. But at the same time, we've also had to bring in contract workers. And really, this is all about the patients. I mean, patient care doesn't go away just because there's tough finances or a depleted workforce. And so that's uh, the number one thing that uh, we keep in the front of our uh, uh, minds. And it is really the mission of all of our hospitals and health systems across the state. So 
with regard to if there were some sort of mandated staffing ratios that were implemented by the state capital to uh, manage the care of uh, that's delivered to patients in, in uh, Aiken, Minnesota, or Winona, Minnesota, or Rochester, Minnesota, that would have a devastating effect on our healthcare system. Why? Because it's sort of a one-size-fits-all that would cost more money to implement, and that would raise the cost of health care, which would uh, follow through into premiums for health care. And so it, it really adds to the cost inflation that actually we're already seeing. So uh, our hope is to avoid some of those extra mandates that would cause these extra costs. Now, um, if we had to implement these uh, staffing ratios uh, or staffing by committee, we are estimating that some 70,000 patients could potentially go um, have to go without care. They they would um, wow. we would be full. We wouldn't be able to take any more patients based on these uh, set staffing ratios, and that would cause some care to be delayed or undelivered, and that would be a problem we think for patients across the state of Minnesota. One of the final topics I want to raise is mental health. Um, it's been a topic from schools to communities to kids to adults. Um, but I know that, you know, sometimes hospitals, especially rural hospitals, are on the front lines. What are hospitals doing to make sure that mental health care is accessible or reachable for folks across the state? And and they're kind of the front line sometimes. Is is that something that is is new or is that something that um, hospitals have done for quite some time? Yeah, you know, the the, the issue of mental health uh, has been around for some time. I think I think the it was exacerbated during the pandemic. In other words, uh, we we definitely have seen a spike in in more, uh, uh, you know, patients experiencing uh, some mm-hmm. sort of a mental health crisis. We also know there's a shortage of providers in this area. And again, especially in rural Minnesota, where it's a little more difficult to recruit uh, uh, providers of that care. And so that's why we would advocate for greater flexibility in, for example, telemedicine uh, modalities to be able to uh, have these sorts of resources for mental health available to everybody across the state, regardless of, you know, where, where you live. And so uh, we think uh, one of the actually benefits, not benefits, one, one of the good outcomes of, of the pandemic is uh, the greater use of telemedicine has actually afforded greater um, extension of services such as mental health services. Joe, final question. What are the two or three takeaways you want people to think about when it comes to Minnesota's hospitals and clinics and providers as they're thinking about healthcare and the future of the state that are really critical that happen in the next year? Yeah, I think number one is that hospitals and health systems are the pillars of our communities and they are open 24 7, 365 days a year. Be nice. <laughs> you know, when you come in, I mean, we've, we've seen some, uh, some, some, some really unruly things happening e- even in hospitals. Uh, so be nice. Um, the other thing is that uh, hospitals, by and large, in Minnesota are all not-for-profit institutions. So we have to keep in mind that um, they are trying their best to keep themselves financially viable. But uh, as we saw in 2022, the operating margins slipped uh, to negative, meaning uh, on average or, or the median value across the state. Uh, most hospitals, 56% were losing money. 
on patient care. So we're in a financially difficult and fragile time period. And so this is the time that we may need to see some uh, better reimbursement, for example, from government programs uh, like Medicaid to um, it's stop underpaying hospitals for their services at 27% below cost. So if we could if we could raise some of those rates, it would take some of the pressure, financial pressures off of not only uh, the hospitals themselves, but uh, the premium dollars that you and I all pay through our, our, our health care uh, premiums. So uh, those those are the main things. And uh, the third thing I'd say is on the workforce side, the hospitals are a great opportunity for any young person or any uh, mid-level person who would like to join the healthcare ranks. It's a worthy uh, area to work in. And, uh, you know, the pay is generally very good. And and uh, so healthcare is really uh, going to be uh, a, a good place in, uh, to work always. And, and again, being uh, large employers and, and pillars of our community, we want to keep patient care in front of everybody. And, and really, that's a worthy and noble mission to be on when, when you're joining the workforce to be able to have that kind of a mission to work on. So those are the three things I'd say. Awesome, Joe. Joe, thanks for joining me on the Sunday Take. When we come back, this week's take on healthcare. What does the legislature really need to focus on and what can they set aside for the future? I'm Blaise. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Just this past January, Lackerel Technologies reported it achieved higher yields than 90% when transforming lactic acid into acrylic acid. Why does that matter? Because it was derived from corn. Yes, this is the Sustainability Minute from Minnesota Corn Growers. Using corn for new, innovative, advanced purposes is good for Minnesota's economy but it's also good for the environment. After all, if something can be developed that is biodegradable, that is better for the earth than traditional products, then that's worth looking in. After all, acrylic acid is a $10 billion market, and there are over 6.5 million metric tons produced annually. So why wouldn't Minnesota be a part of that? Yes, Minnesota Corn is supporting that research through the University of Minnesota. And that's part of Minnesota Corn's checkoff, how farmers contribute to sustainability. It's not just good enough to talk about sustainability. It's better to invest in it and build for the future. Sustainability isn't going away. And if Minnesota agriculture, including Minnesota Corn, can grow with it, then absolutely they should. Minnesota Corn has over 30 projects going forward on sustainability and environmental efficiency, adopting key conservation practices and reducing fertilizer runoff. That support is continuous and absolutely Minnesota Corn will continue it. So learn more at mncorn.org about Minnesota Corn's sustainability efforts. That is the Sustainability Minute on Sunday Take. So there's plenty to opine about during this legislative session. Some of it's on Twitter, some of it's in conversation, and much of it's in our newsletters. But one of the things that we are seeing the results of is a new legislature. 
a green legislature. After all, one-third of the legislature or more is new. Add to that new staff, new dynamics, post-pandemic. That is ultimately what we're encountering now on healthcare. Healthcare is complex, and the legislature has a process. So one bill here, two bills there, three bills there, whether it's on insurance, on staffing, ultimately moving pieces on the chessboard of healthcare could get us back to a tough spot. Check, or unfortunately, maybe checkmate. Remember when Minsher launched and remember when the individual market wasn't there and it was trying to be creative and the computers didn't work and nobody knew how it would move forward. Well, they ironed it out. And since then, Minnesota has had a stable market. In fact, Minnesota is a leader in keeping healthcare costs down for Minnesotans. Our nonprofit insurance system means that those profits from insurance have to go back into the community. And our nonprofit clinics and hospitals are invested in the community. They don't send their profits to Wall Street. They keep them at home. Look, Minnesota exceptionalism is not something that we should poo-poo when it comes to healthcare. In fact, we should own it. From the Mayo Clinic to Children's Hospital to our health plans that were some of the leading and most innovative in the nation to efforts around equity and access on Medicaid and state programs that give people with disabilities, give people the opportunity to have coverage that in other states just doesn't exist. We have to acknowledge that. And so when you're thinking about pain points in healthcare, let's be clear. There are some. Prescription drug costs. Yes, that's an issue. But compared to other states, Minnesota has done more. Access to care. Minnesota has strong access. And we should fight to keep clinics and hospitals accessible to Minnesotans. Health plans that are as customer-friendly as any in the country. But when the legislature and the newbies start toying with things, with ideas that they hear about, or a problem of 20 that they try to solve with a bill of 200 pages, it could have the reverse effect. It could have the effect that healthcare stops working as well in Minnesota, and then there's a need for a bailout or a fix down the line. So on healthcare, have the discussions, look at it, but don't forget Minnesota is leading the way. Don't make it more complicated with more regulations. Don't make it more challenging for consumers or for doctors and nurses to practice here. Because if we do, we know they will go to another state or worse yet, the patients will go to another state because the system doesn't work. Let's celebrate our exceptionalism, fix some small things on healthcare, but not resort to extreme positions, whether it's single payer or price caps on certain items. Because ultimately, the market is working in Minnesota, and we should make sure it stays working 
on the old adage, if the patient's not sick, let's focus on wellness. And thankfully, the health systems in Minnesota might have a cold, but they don't have a flu and they're not terminal. They just need a little TLC to stay strong and provide some of the best care in the nation. I'm Blois Olson. That's the Sunday Take. Listen for me on the morning news with Vanita Sakar from 620 to 630 every morning, Monday through Thursday. And sign up for our newsletters at fluence-newsletters.com. I'll be back next Sunday with another Sunday Take. Sundays at 9 on CCO. It's The Take. And I'm Blois Olson. Have a great day. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.